What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Benelli, and alongside me today, again, the rotating crew. We got Ray Volo, as always, and we got Nick Perillo back with us, Dean, uh, picking up, what is this, five jobs for him now? Oh, my God. Um, fucking ridiculous this guy can't even join us on the pod but we got nikki in here today honestly uh man of the week last week in terms of our bets so glad to have nick with us fellas how we doing yeah i'm hurting man um mind body spirit i think said going into the weekend was at an all-time high it's i'm down in the dumps body's aching jets uh jets are jets and i went one of fucking 10 on my bet so (laughs) (laughs) nothing like a reset monday (laughs) ain't that true nikki we have short-term we we have short-term memory here over at btt uh we'll keep it moving and yes the jets were miserable but for this episode we're talking college football um so let's get right into our bets from last week ray you want to take us through uh like you just said one for (laughs) ten yeah well (laughs) It started off fucking miserably. Um, I had car issues. had to get my car towed. Missed the first half of those 12 games. It was brutal. And to top it off, I had, I think, three of my bets hit, uh, already lost by the time I got home. So it was just a fucking bad vibe central. Uh, Alabama minus 20. Uh, Saban got outworked by fucking Sark. Uh, Texas played really good. Uh, ultimately lost, but fucking killed my teaser, too. Uh, Bama minus 13 and a half and Gators plus one and a half. It's a double, uh, double miss. Love to see that. And then, uh, Baylor money line. They fucking blew it too. Uh, Dean, if he was here, would go on a fat rant. I'll save that for later. I'll, I'll, uh, I think he sent me some words to say. So I'll read step in. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to, uh, <laughs> because he was livid yesterday on the uh, tailgate bus about Baylor. Like he said that he was just going to go off on them. And then, of course, just can't make the fucking and pod, didn't so. show up. Yeah, <laughs> love to see that. And then uh, lastly, Ohio State uh, minus twenty eight first half. Uh, yeah, just bad. I don't even think they. I think it was like twenty points or something. I mean, not even. Uh, they pulled away in the second half, obviously, but that bet fucking sucked. Nothing worse than a first half, like either team total or uh, point spread, and then your team defers. I fucking hate it. That's the that's the one part bad part about betting first half when they defer the point. I was like, bro, think of the betters, get the fucking offense out on the field. God. Yeah, you'll take a win as a fan though, uh, Nikki. You were uh, man of the week, so talk us through at least some of your. Yeah, words. it didn't really feel like it to be completely honest. I was watching these games and just like it was. I think the problem was that the two losses I had were just completely like bad losses. I had the two units on Bama first half. We're going to talk about that game, but yeah, I mean, after the first quarter and after watching like uh, yours, like just run around and like putting the ball into Alabama territory, I was like, okay, they're not covering 11 and a half. And then the other one I had was uh, Texas A&M minus 18 and a half. That was an absolute disaster. It, it was just <laughs> one of those bets where, I mean, 18 and a half is a lot, but like you're thinking, okay, you know, maybe second half, the game was close going in, you know, it was, I think it was tied going into half. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, you, you pick it up a little, but it never got there, but my two wins were uh, Iowa State plus three and a half and Oklahoma State minus 11 and a half. Iowa State, I couldn't even watch because on uh, Optimum, the Big Ten Network, it had Ruckers and Wagner on instead of Iowa, Iowa State. So That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, so I wasn't, 
I was not firing up the big tent. I don't even know like how to do any of that shit. So I wasn't firing <laughs> up on a stream. I was just flipping around channels. So I couldn't watch that game in Oklahoma state. Um, they were pretty much in control the whole time. But then in the second half, I'd say like probably end of the third, early fourth, they went up by uh, over two touchdowns. So they had a pretty comfortable lead in that attend that game. So are we going to acknowledge your boomer ass comment saying you don't know how to stream stuff? That's pretty fucking I wild. do, but I just don't <laughs> feel like fucking like I don't I on Roku is no big 10 network. I'd rather just I was telling Dean this. I'd rather I told you it was Fox Sports. App. But they're associated with uh, the big 10 network associated I, with Fox. I well, he really that. wanted yes. to watch the hometown program Wagner. They're building. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to watch the other fucking five games because I know, of course, it was like five more side bets. So. I mean, whatever. Kevin, Dean, the parlay we had lost. All three of us lost all three legs of it. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> that went, like, awesome. It was just, like, I mean, it was okay, but it, it could have been worse. That's that's the silver lining here. Also, I'm just going to say this. If you don't have two screens fired up during football season, you need to grow up. Start eating your fucking vegetables. Let's go. Word, right? You're fucking sick, dude. All right. Uh, <laughs> for, for Dean here, Dean had only one bet. Uh, the five unit Baylor plus three and a half. Um, obviously, we'll talk about that game. And yeah, Dean, I stayed up till two thirty watching that. I was with yeah. Dean, but I was with I left Dean when it was like the middle of the third quarter. That's brutal. So, yeah, so Dean, I, I hated. I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> Dean will lose all five uh, on the one bet, and he'll have some some words from from the outside on that one. Uh, for me, Al, I took the over in the Alabama-Texas game, hoping for a great shootout. Uh, we did get a great game while I was in Austin. The The city was buzzing legitimately until the last minute of that game. Um, it was really fun to be there, though. It's um, sick, a sick like, environment to be around. It was unbelievable. The, the, the vibes were so high for two and a half hours, and then for like five minutes, it felt like the – like Texas was going to like go underwater. It was horrible. <laughs> um, I had Wisconsin in a teaser. They, they lost outright uh, for a two unit bet. I had Iowa minus three and a half against Iowa state. They lost outright. Um, and then this one really hurt the parlay that I had Pitt money line and Baylor money line, both losing in overtime, which would have been a 6.12 unit win. Uh, so over four and a five unit loss for me and Holy uh, the, o- the OG boys for BTT are minus 15 <laughs> units in college football <laughs> week two. Um, but like I said, Holy we have short term memory here and we turn it around very quickly. Hey. So make sure you stay tuned for Thursday's episode because we're firing again today. We, yeah, we give ourselves one day to mourn. I'm pretty depressed right now. And that was pretty embarrassing just reading that off. But We'll be, we'll be back at it. Yeah. Well, it's we'll, impressive, to be honest. It, <laughs> it is. Really is. It's also when you consider, like, I'm pretty sure we had three or four uh, teasers of parlay combined, and every leg of the teasers missed. Oh, yeah. It wasn't even like anyone was close. Like, yeah. oh, this would have, like, one play away. No, it was, like, multiple games away. <laughs> All right. Let's, t- let's talk our big games that we, uh, we previewed last week. Uh, we're going to start right at the top where we have been uh, number one, Alabama at Texas, Alabama comes away in the last few seconds. Um, Bryce Young makes an unbelievable play to, to scramble away. Ray, talk to me. What'd you see from Alabama? What'd you see from Texas? Texas really fought hard. Uh, Texas played their fucking asses off. Sarkeesian uh, came in 
just knowing what to do, I seem like against uh, the Knicks. It's his big daddy, you know, Nick Saban. Um, that defense was flying all over the field. Like I said, I did miss the first half, so I didn't even get to see fucking Ewers. I was livid. Um, so how, how yeah, he, he looked, looked really good. Uh, he looked honestly, good. he looked really good. He looked insane. I, he, I saw he was. Um, they were. Was it? They were uh, down while he was in, and when uh, when when Hudson Card came in, they did make a little run. But he looked really good, and I feel like Ewers would have made that same run. Honestly, uh, just really unfortunate. I think they said two to six weeks, uh, an AC sprain. So it was a Dallas Turner, right? Who like drove him to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy that like they were playing with a backup quarterback who was also on like one leg. I don't, did they say what's good with him? Because he was so, limping yeah, the entire he, time. He, got, he gutted out on that ankle. Um, I don't think they have a timeline for him, and I think he might play. But I think their other quarterback, maybe a a preferred walk on. Uh, absurd. I gotta I gotta double check that. Um, but we'll see next week. I, I don't think any more news has come out about Hudson Card. I mean, that being said, Texas did, like we said, like they did uh, fight hard. And uh, Robbins, that running back Robinson, may be the real deal. He's uh, he's quite something, especially in the passing game. He made a couple of nice catches where he looked like a fucking wide receiver. Yeah, I love Bijan Robinson. Um, and even uh, Winton made a big couple big plays. And Nikki, that was your keys to the game last week. He needed to make a couple big plays, and they. He kept them in it. Uh, Nikki, anything to add on that? Um, I mean, we're probably going to talk about it. Uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about it later. I'm, I'm going to touch on it later, but uh, the penalties for Alabama were unprecedented, something we've never seen. I mean, crazy. They had 15 penalties for 100 yards. Just, I mean, horrible. I mean, and and I'll uh, give credit where credit's due. I mean, I said Texas was going to go out here and get smacked, but they hung in there, especially like we just talked about with a backup quarterback. I mean, that's got that's a lot of, um, you know, a lot to overcome. So good for Texas and good for Sark, maybe showing that uh, that program is actually turning itself around. I mean, now they're ranked they're ranked 21 right now and they lost. Right. You get ranked and you're lost. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Right. So that was uh, that was kind of interesting to see. And they do have a lot like that guy, uh, Xavier Worthy. He looked good. Him and yours look like I mean, they had a long pass downfield that got them to that uh, goal line opportunity before Ewers got hurt. So, I mean, if Texas can just kind of like, you know, man the uh, man the ship a little bit until he gets back, they could still be in there for, you know, a Big 12 title. Right. Yeah, they do move up even though they lost and Alabama moves back to number two, Georgia taking over that top spot. Uh, we'll move on to the second game. Uh, number four, Tennessee at number 17, Pittsburgh. Tennessee wins in. Overtime on a Hendon Hooker, uh, 28-yard pass. Uh, Keaton Slovis was knocked out of this game in the first half. Uh, I believe it was a concussion. Um, and then they really – Pitt really left this game on the table. I mean, they had, a miss, they had two missed field goals, and they had a, a red zone drive that ended in a pick, and their offensive line, which was the staple of this team with five returning starters, just looked horrible against this Tennessee pass rush. Ray, hey, I know you said uh, you didn't catch too much of this game, but um, anything for either side. Tennessee looked good. Pitt coming off a, a big win against West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a feeling this uh, this had a potential to be like a letdown game for Pitt, but they they did fight hard. Uh, their offense in that uh, overtime was a little iffy. I think their um, that last play they threw below, I think it was fourth and goal, and he threw it short of the fucking end zone and completely missed him too, which was a little fucking wild to me. 
Uh, Hendon Hooker looked really good, though. Looks uh, great. I don't think he's, I mean, he's also like 27 years old. Uh, he has like <laughs> yeah. five kids. I, I, I don't know. But like, he's he's not like NFL talent. Off. Yeah, I completely just made that up. <laughs> but um, he's not NFL talent, but he looks like he can, he can he's going to win them some games in the SEC. Uh, his dual threat is definitely something that teams are going to have to worry about. I think he ran like 15 times. Yeah. Nikki, what'd you think about this one? He did look uh, really good. I'll say that for Hendon Hooker, but I'm honestly, I'm shocked that Pitt was able to even go down for that last uh, touchdown to send the game into overtime. That offense looked atrocious with the backup Nick Patty uh, uh, coming in for Slovis. Uh, you know, it was really, the Pitt came out really hot. I, I cannot say the running back's last name, but he went for like a 70 yard score. Pitt was juiced up. Then you saw Tennessee started to come back and there was a lot of I would say like bullshit that happened in the second uh, at the end of this, at the end of the half, which I'll get into in my stock down later about Narduzzi. But I mean, that game, it could have gotten out of hand a lot quicker for Pitt. I'm shocked it went to overtime, honestly, a little bit like concerning if you're a Tennessee fan, just because you had that lead, you had momentum going into halftime. I know you're on the road, but against that backup, you got to, you know, step up there and take that game and, you know, take it out of hand before you let Pitt try to beat you in overtime. So a little concerning if you're a Vols fan, I would say that's a takeaway for me. All right, we'll move on to our next game, another ranked game, uh, number 20, Kentucky, in the swamp against Florida. Uh, Kentucky controlled the second half, shutting out Florida. And I mentioned it last week, that linebacker group for Kentucky, J.J. Weaver and Hawkes Jones, um, really talented players. They really stepped up big time, and they contained Anthony Richardson, um, and he did not – Look like the Anthony Richardson we saw against Utah. Yeah, I mean, people forget because um, he has so much upside. Like he just looks the part of a super athlete, so much talent. But that was only his, th- his third start. Uh, There's gonna be growing pains for him, as you can see. I mean, when they contained him uh, from getting out of the pocket and, and using his legs, he kind he really struggled in the pocket. Uh, he's got to work on some things as a uh, as a passer. His feet were really like all over, like not even all over the place. He just wouldn't move them. It was like Hackenberg esque. Like, he just, like, get a shotgun snap and just fucking start staring at people, and it was all over the place. Um, I think he went – what did he go? He, like, his completion percentage, I think, was below 50. Let me just yeah, see. I think it was I'm, below 50. I'll, I'll talk about it more later when we get to stock up, stock down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, horrible game. I think that's the biggest takeaway you can have from this. I mean, good on Kentucky for coming into the swamp and beating them by 10, but – I mean, Richardson, and also a little bit goes into, I think, some of the play calls in the last drives they had for um, Florida. Uh, Billy Napier's second game there in Florida. After such a big win, you come out, and it sucks that you lose to Kentucky and you're at home also. But some of those play calls the last two drives uh, wasn't really the best for Florida. I think they did back – I think they had consecutive uh, a three and out and then uh, a turnover on downs. They went for uh, it on fourth down and did not make it. But I just didn't like some of the play calling. And like Ray just said, AR-15, only his third start. He's got a lot of hype behind him and a lot of flash. But, I mean, I think this game just automatically solidifies him out of Heisman contention. Just it was that bad. His QBR was 3.8 and couldn't even run the ball. So if you're any team trying to game plan for Florida, if it's that easy to stop him, it's going to be a rough year for the Gators going forward. A long season, I'll say that, Nick. What if he, he could go, go absolutely bananas the rest of the way. Yeah, but if you play that bad, I th- I, I just think in a, I think for a Heisman at least every Heisman player we've seen they they don't have bad games. No, I feel they you. have I, a lockdown. I feel you. It's just a little premature to it say. It is premature. A little but premature. We're overreacting here. I thought you're gonna, 
I thought you were going to say there's no chance for him to go the first round either. That's what I thought you were going to say. I was like, that's I'm I'm just thinking Heisman, just how good, like, Caleb Williams and um, Bryce Love looked comparatively. Bryce Love? I said his name wrong. You did. (laughs) You want to correct it or? You can correct it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Bryce Young? Bryce Young, yeah. Bryce Um, Love was the uh, running back for Stanford back in the day, right? Um, Kentucky's running game looked really good. I think, I believe we got more clarity on the Chris Rodriguez situation too. Um, I think he's going to be suspended for two more games. Jesus. Um, which is really disheartening for this team. Um, the other two backs looked really good against Florida though. Um, so hopefully they can hold down the fort. Yeah. They were Um, able to move the, uh, he gets back. They're able to actually run the ball this game, which is pretty surprising. Yeah, they were. Le- Levis did not look great either. Um, yeah, I'll touch on that later as well. Did enough to to get the win. Move on to number 10, USC at Stanford. Big rivalry game. USC was in control basically the whole game. 41-28 win. Um, a big offensive statement game for these three transfer for the big three transfers. Um, Caleb Williams, 340 yards passing. Travis Dye, over 100 yards rushing. And Jordan Addison, 173 receiving yards. I mean, they were just in complete control the entire game. And Tanner McKee for Stanford did not look great. Nikki, how'd you feel about this one? Um, I said it on the pod last week. I thought it was going to be a pretty easy game uh, for Stanford altogether. Kind of a newer rivalry with USC and Stanford here. I don't think that USC has beat them in Stanford since like 2014, I believe it was. But um, coming back to form for USC, I think this is the makings of an actual like Trojan team that should be feared and does have a legitimate chance at making the playoff. They're probably going to have to go undefeated just looking at their schedule. Not a ton of, you know, key matchups to go here. We all saw Notre Dame lose, which was horrible. That's the, their uh, last game of the season. So that game might not have as much weight as we thought at the beginning of the year. And that Utah game, October 15th, is probably going to be their biggest game of the year. So for Lincoln Riley uh, to come out and make a statement there, that's going to be big for them. And uh, I think it was just a statement game in general to show, like, hey, we're here. We have a new coach, new quarterback, all these transfers, all these weapons, and they came out and proved, like, hey, we can hang around and beat these Pac-12 teams with ease. Well, I think right. you said it perfectly. I think best way to describe it is a statement game. I think they're here. They're going to be – they are feared now. Teams aren't looking at them as just the same old uh, USC was underperformed uh, the last few years or so. That offense is terrifying, dude. Uh, like you said, Caleb Williams, um, Addison, and Die are fucking dangerous. And then also, uh, Mario Williams looked really good too. He had a couple of uh, big splash plays. And then who's their third receiver too? Looked uh, very good. Uh, their offense is just very, you know, it's just that new school. Well, not even, it's not even new school anymore. It's just the spread, fucking fast pace. It's hard to keep up with them. Like their guy, their athletes are just so electric. Yeah, really, they look really good and uh, should be feared in the Pac-12. Let's get to the game that we've been mentioning over and over again. Number nine, Baylor, and number 21, BYU. This was an absolutely crazy game, a 26-20 to overtime win for BYU. Um, Baylor really shot themselves in the foot, missed the field goal in overtime. They had a missed extra point on their first touchdown. They had 14 penalties for 117 yards. Um, it was a gritty game, like we mentioned, um, especially in the trenches. But a big win for BYU. They get Oregon, too, next week, coming off a blowout win. Um, so it'll be another test for the Cougars. Ray, 
You want to speak for yourself or you want to speak for Dean here? I mean, I just know. So Dean's whole thing, his like big outrage was how bad Baylor uh, like just choked. He said, I think they had like 15 penalties all game. And he said there was 12 in the second half, which is just fucking absolutely unacceptable when you're trying to close out a game on the road. Uh, I admittedly did not have to watch the end of this game. Uh, your boy had to be up early for the Jets fucking debacle. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I missed this one, unfortunately. But I knew it was that type of Saturday. I knew my fucking Baylor Bears weren't going to be able to pull it out. It's just it was one of those days. Uh, it's also crazy that Dean said that uh, that had another big point was because he had Baylor plus three and a half, obviously. And that fucking missed field goal by BYU to end the game at, at the end of regulation is kind of fucking absurd. Or it was at the end of overtime. That missed field goal where they could have won by three. Dean said he was fucking freaking out. Uh, it was overtime. I think it may have been both. I think they missed a field goal in the fourth quarter as well. Fucking college kickers, man. Stock down skill. Holy shit. Kickers in fu- general stock down. Yeah. Fuck, even the NFL this week. <laughs> Dude, kickers are so fucking unpredictable. It's insane. It's like relief pitchers in baseball. Um, yeah, Nikki, anything to add with, uh, with Baylor or B- I was just going to say, like, I'm trying to like, rem- like, there's a reason that people don't give a shit about the Pac-12 as much. I was up at two 15 watching this game just cause I love Dean's and I wanted to see like what happened. And I knew he was up watching it. He had to be up at six 30 and he's sitting there and I'm like, how the fuck do people stay awake for these games? I-, I was like, I was like half awake, half asleep. I like all these missed kicks. I forget. But I do remember Baylor really did kind of fuck themselves with all those like missed penalties that they had. It was just I, I think BYU is going to be uh, in a rude awakening this week against Oregon, who has to be a little bit pissed off about losing week one. They came out and won by a lot week two. I'd be I'd be on Oregon this week. I think if you're uh, playing BYU. Yeah, I don't hate that play. Also, just the final uh, penalty numbers for Baylor, the official numbers, 14 for 117. Uh, it's even worse than fucking Bama. It's, you, you, really can't, you can't win games like that. That's insane. Oh. Yeah, really, really tough to win games like that. Um, the two games to mention right here after that we didn't preview, uh, two big upsets, Texas A&M losing to App State 17-14. Uh, Texas A&M fucking blows. Um, and then Notre Dame losing their second game in a row to Marshall 26-21, a really uninspiring performance. Uh, Ray, you want to talk to me about Notre Dame losing to Marshall? I mean, yeah, it's just brutal for the Ohio State. And obviously, I mean, Nick said before, USC, too, it kind of hurts them. As, like That was one of the, the uh, statement games on their schedule. But I think the story for the A&N, that A&N loss is crazy because especially in this new NIL era when you're just buying recruits, like people don't understand, like, Freshmen aren't always going to be ready to play. Even if they're top 10, like they're fucking 17, 18 year old kids. Like they're going to need some time. So I'm just curious how this is going to affect. Like, are they, are teams going to like, are boosters going to spend wild on freshmen and just assume that they're going to like, that's going to help them win? Like, like how's that going to work with like coaching and everything? Like, where people get fired because the boosters are putting pressure on, like, I'm assuming that's why Scott Frost got the cans because of the boosters. So I'm very curious to see how that goes. I mean, Scott Frost, I mean, I'll mention him again later, but Scott Frost got fired because of that record. <laughs> let's, uh, let's not kid ourselves about that. Uh, Nikki, talk to me about Notre Dame and Marshall. Uh, really tough one for, for Notre Dame. And like Ray said, Ohio State, that's uh, maybe a little blemish on their record too. Yeah, I just think that it's uh, something that 
we've seen in the past and it hasn't changed just Notre Dame not being able to come through in the big time. I mean, we saw, we thought maybe, you know, I mean, they were close last year, this year, not going to happen, obviously. And you can't lose to Marshall, especially at home. I'm just kind of shocked Marshall wasn't maybe ranked 25 after getting that win uh, personally, but that's going to screw a lot of schedules up. Like, like we all mentioned, I think that's the biggest takeaway we can have here from uh, them losing. All right, so that'll wrap it for our recaps of last week. Uh, we're going to move into our stock up, stock down for college football, uh, and we'll start with Ray. Ray, give me your first stock up. My first stock up is going to be a little bit of a questionable one, seeing as though he had two fumbles, but I'm going E.J. Smith, uh, son of Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, obviously, running back on Stanford. Uh, I really like the way this kid runs, to be honest with you. Uh, former top 50 recruit, which I know everyone loves. I love that fucking pedigree of recruiting. Uh, first year as a starter, and he's the second very good game against a tough USC team that we were saying. Uh, 19 carries, 88 yards, and uh, two touchdowns, one uh, rushing, one receiving. I really like the way he runs. Like I was saying, he's a little undersized. I think he's six foot, let's say 210, but I mean, those listings can be a little deceiving. I think at the next level, he'll have to put on some weight, but I'm very curious to see how he does the rest of the year. Uh, he's so super patient behind the line of scrimmage, and he's got that one cut ability. Uh, kind of reminds me of a young, a little like smaller Arian Foster, to be honest with you. So, I mean, t- with teams t- taking running back mid round talent and they, then like succeeding immediately, I'm just curious to see where he goes and um, if he comes out because you know, running backs, they only have so much tread on the tires. Uh, I feel like if he has a big junior year, finishes this year off like the way he's going, he'll declare and uh, probably be like a day two pick. Nice. Nikki, who do you got for your first stock up? Um, I got Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State receiver, obviously uh, the son of Marvin Harrison Sr. Um, Seven catches, 184 yards, three touchdowns versus Arkansas State. Uh, Last year, he only had 11 catches, 139 yards, and three touchdowns all of uh, his campaign last year, but – he looks like he's going to be the number one guy for Ohio State moving forward. Ohio State's always good at producing these top receivers, so he could be the next standout for them. Obviously, Ray would know more than I would, but he's poised to be the next guy, right? Yeah, I mean, Smith and Jigba missed this game because he was hurt. So, that, I mean, the, the young kids have to step up. Him and uh, Abuka are two super talented sophomores. They're both going to be uh, big impacts this year, and then I think next year they're going to be really Yeah, wh- what's, his, what's his timetable for coming back? I don't know, to be honest with you. I know he was week to week. Um, I think there, there was a chance he was he could have played this week, but that ruled out. So I haven't really heard anything. But um, we're so deep at receiver. It's a little questionable now with uh, him and Fleming banged up too. Uh, but I love Abuka. Abu is one of my favorite. Like you said, Marvin Harrison is that prototypical like X receiver, 6'4", do it all. But Abuka is an exciting fucking player. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. That's someone uh, I can't wait to see more of too. Nice. So my first stock up is uh, is Sam Hartman, uh, guy I really liked. Um, these last few years, been a three year starter um, at Wake Forest. Uh, had three hundred yards, four touchdowns in a victory for his first game after coming back from that blood clot issue that he had. He missed Week One. Um, they initially ruled him out indefinitely, and he's come back. Um, so great to see it. He's the leader of this team. The guys love him. Um, I just really enjoyed watching him out there working with his guys. He had a, a little bit of rust to work off, missed a couple easy throws, but made some really, really nice throws, uh, including a 68-yard bomb, uh, hit a guy right in stride. 
and didn't turn it over. Um, so really like Sam Hartman. Uh, this is a fifth year senior. Um, so really happy he's back on the field and he's playing well in his first week back. All right, Ray, who you got for your second stock up? Uh, so my stock up number two, um, it was Jordan Addison originally, but I'm just going to make it the whole USC team, this whole USC offense in particular. This offense is, like we said, already touched on, it's going to be something special. Uh, Jordan Addison, though, uh, seven catches, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. This guy is uh, the definition of an explosive uh, weapon. He can do it. He takes the top off the D with that 170-plus-yard touchdown catch, and he can also make shit happen like when the ball's in his hands. So I'm really excited to see him. He's going to cement himself as a first-round pick this year. Nice. Yeah, looking like either the number one or number two wide receiver uh, possibly to come out this year. Uh, Nikki, who you got for your second stock up? Uh, my second stop, uh, uh, stock up is going to be another receiver. It's uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, the West Virginia receiver. Um, don't really want to talk about the game in general. Losing to Kansas in overtime is an embarrassment and just 10 steps back for the program. But uh, Ford Wheaton had a really good game again. I mean, he had that horrible drop against Pitt, which – was one of the factors to costing them that win, but came out this week, 11 catches, 152 yards, and he had two touchdowns. He's clearly the best receiver that the Mountaineers have. And he had some really crazy acrobatic uh, catches on that last drive. He also had the uh, the last drive that sent them into uh, overtime. He also had the two-point conversion to tie it to lead them there. So he looks great um, to start this season. Him and JT Daniels have been able to do it all. He's found him in the medium routes. He hit him for, I believe, it was a 67-yard touchdown in the first half. So he looks really great. Uh, Dean also wanted to – kept saying he thinks he's a day two, early day uh, – early uh, you know, day two, early day three guy. I personally – don't really agree. I've seen a ton of West Virginia receivers that just don't make the transition, but we'll see. He's off to a really, really good start this season. Nice. So I'm going to round out our stock up a uh, little bit of a Homer pick as well. Um, I got the freshman Nick Singleton uh, running back 10 carries 179 yards and two touchdowns and a win against Ohio. Um, I'm just really excited. I mean, right. We just talked about Texas A&M and all their freshmen. I'm really excited for these Penn state freshmen, with Singleton being the Gatorade player of the year and number one running back uh, coming out along with Drew Aller um, at quarterback, got some time in as well. Uh, but Nick Singleton looked great. Kind of reminds me of Nick Chubb. He's got unbelievable top speed um, and he fights for contact. Um, he's an extremely aggressive runner. I really, really love him. He does have a tendency to bounce it a little bit, kind of like how Saquon did um at Penn State but he doesn't shy away from contact when it comes um and he can hit a home run anytime he touches the ball he had a 70 yard touchdown and a 45 yard touchdown um in this game so really looking forward to seeing more of Nick Singleton um and honestly all these other freshmen that, that Penn State got think it's going to be a good team in two years honestly yeah, that Singleton kid's gonna be a problem. I think I, I think I texted you like the first time he touched the ball uh, week one. I was like, uh oh, like, this guy's yeah. gonna be a fucking handful. Dude, I mean, they got another freshman running back too that that is also a very good player, and I'm kind of worried about him possibly transferring. But um, you know, we'll see. I think Nick Singleton is a is a stud, and he'll be an NFL talent. All right, let's move on to our stock downs. I got one uh, more stock up. I got one more stock. Up. You got one more stock up. All yeah, right, I had it written here. Um, just quickly, the Alabama uh, former Alabama coaches under Saban, the 2015 staff more specifically, that featured it had Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, 
Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, and Mel Tucker. Just it, I saw it online. That's kind of insane. Day. Just the fact <laughs> that that was a coaching staff together. Kirby Smart's got the best team in the country right now, and probably the best best defensive coach. Lane Kiffin's at Ole Miss, two and zero, ten and ten, uh, ten and two record in twenty twenty one. Cristobal is Miami's head coach, ten year deal. Mel Tucker won Big Ten uh, Coach of the Year last year, and Billy Napier is off to a pretty good start at Florida. Just the fact that that is like a collection of men at one place <laughs> for a championship is crazy. He's uh, Ray called um you know da- uh, uh, Sark's daddy Saban. Saban's got Saban's like the delivery. You guys ever seen Delivery Man with Vince Vaughn? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick Saban's basically Vince Vaughn. <laughs> just jerking off into a whole bunch of cups and producing yeah. college coaches. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're a grown ass man who loves football and you're under Saban, you're gonna be something. All right, let's get to our stock downs. Ray, who you got for your first one? Um, my, so my first stock down is gonna be a trio of uh, I guess maybe even a quartet of people. Uh those that second tier quarterbacks for this upcoming draft. So uh Levis, uh AR fifteen. McKee and even Van Dyke, they all kind of struggled this past week. Uh, that Florida Kentucky matchup had a lot of NFL scouts, and I'm pretty sure the Giants GM was there in person to see this matchup, and they both played like absolute shit. Uh, Levis 13 24, 202, uh, 202 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. When AR went, and while AR went 14 of 35 with 143 yards and two picks and only four rushing yards, just a really bad game. Uh, there for two guys trying to make some money. Uh, Tanner Key, we already talked about too. Uh, he had two picks as well. And Van Dyke even came out. They they beat the shit out of uh, Southern Mississippi or something like that. Uh, Thirty seven. And Van Dyke, but Van Dyke said came out and said he played like shit. And his team, they're not going to beat like actual talent if he keeps doing that. So stock down for that second tier. Yeah, completely with you. It's going to be a tough road for for those guys trying to trying to make the first round. And uh, Nikki, who you got for your first stock down? Uh, it's stock down. It's not like a completely horrible thing, but it's for Pat Narduzzi. Uh, we talked about the injury to Kadan uh, Slovis in the pit game, but I really, it was a domino effect of uh, Narduzzi's coaching. They had 21 seconds left in the first half. Pitt was on their own 37 and next play led to, it was a sack, a fumble, and then an injury. And then that led to Tennessee kicking a feet, uh, having a chip shot field goal to go up 24 uh, 17 at the half. I think it was a really bad coaching decision, and he even admitted it. Um, he was quoted as saying, I'm a dummy and I'm a dumbass. <laughs> Both quotes from Pat Narduzzi. Um, you know, they started hot, pitted, and then they limped into the half. But really, sometimes you just got to, you know, keep your pride in check and just say, all right, you know what, we'll knee, we're at home, we'll get them in the second half instead. They lose their starter now for who knows how long. And that backup, he sucked ass. So it could like, honestly, that could be pit season all in a nutshell based on just not needing that ball there. So a BTT stock down and a dummy of the week for Pat Narduzzi, <laughs> real tough one. Uh, my first stock down is Texas A&M. Uh, don't have to crush them again as, as we have been, but a 31 and nothing shutout against Sam Houston in week one, where they looked Honestly, horrible for a 31 to nothing shutout. Uh, this game, uh, 186 total yards on offense. Haynes King looks horrible. Um, and like we said, they got a lot of freshmen and young guys playing, and that doesn't produce winning. Um, it just doesn't. They came in with all this hype around all these high recruits, and they got three of their next four games against ranked teams. So that could easily be another three losses 
uh, on their schedule. So stock down for Texas A&M. Really worried about them, honestly. All right, Ray, give me your second and final stock down. Yeah, I'm going to go with another team um, in UNC. They, uh, for a team that starts the season at 3-0, and they really look like fucking shit, man. Uh, they got run all over again. 54 rushes for 235 yards. Uh, in a 35 to 28 win, they just barely sneaked that one out. Uh, they turned the ball over three times, two fumbles and a pick. Uh, Matt Brown, I don't know what he's doing, but this is uh, this is a yeah, really I think he's ugly, like senile. Yeah, this is a really ugly <laughs> team right now that I think is going to only struggle once ACC play starts. Uh, I think they get Notre Dame next week, and then they get a, a few more of the. Then I think that's when the ACC schedule starts after Notre Dame, so it's going to be tough. Nikki, who you got for your final stock down? Uh, stock down. It's, I think it's warranted. It's going to be Will Anderson just because of how many bad penalties he took against uh, Texas. He had three offsides, which uh, Saban was even quoted as saying, you know, on offense, you know, you do, you know, you're offsides. It's because the crowd is so loud. If you're on defense, you're just not doing the right things. He also had a late hit penalty in the second half. It was just, I mean, I know Ray saw it completely ridiculous where the tight end was down. He just comes over and shoves him. That's 15 extra yards. So if you're going to be a high level recruit and a high level talent, that's going to be going to the NFL in the draft in the coming years, you just can't do things like that. And people notice that. So, you know, you're only hurting yourself. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll be cleared up because Saban's a psycho and Alabama's going to not let what happens uh, Saturday happen again. But it's just something to look out for if, you know, you're one of those top-level guys. You just can't do that. Right. And that'll, that may be the first and only time uh, we get a stock down for Will Anderson. Just a tremendous player. But like you said, just way too many bad penalties uh, that really hurt Alabama. Uh, so my final stock down uh, is Scott Frost. And we had a big laugh about this uh, on Sunday, even as the Jets were getting pummeled. Uh, they start out the season changing his contract to be performance-based. Loses all these all this money. Uh, he's 16 and 31 in five seasons and was 10 and 26 in the big 10, uh, was great building that program for UCF. Uh, but you came into a big boy conference in the big, in the big 10, he talked a lot about changing the culture at Nebraska and, you know, bringing them back to glory. Uh, they gave you five years to do it. It wasn't like they, he was out in two years. Uh, they gave you five years. You did nothing for your alma mater. Uh, so big stock, stock down for Scott Frost. Really curious to see what happens to him, honestly. Yeah, that's a big bust. I'm, like I said, I think he's probably gonna either have to go get like an OC job at like a big school, oh, like or a maybe, yeah, or maybe even a mid major try to turn something around there. What a bust! Yeah, big time. Tough, tough college football week for uh, for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> big PTT. <laughs> All right, so that'll wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed our college football recap. Uh, go check out our NFL week one recap as it'll also drop this week. Uh, come back Thursday. We'll have our previews with some more bets. And like I said, short term memory loss, we're going to be firing on all cylinders. So make sure you check out our bets. Um, as always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our very new Twitter at two tackles with the number two and stick with us as we head into the 2022, 2023 season. Fellas, appreciate you.